Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kinda whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter. Sutter? Oh, I can't say my own name. Joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. It happens to the best of us, Holden. I'm just swimming around here in my infinity pool. This is definitely a hazard, having my electrical equipment on this little floater in front of me. I wouldn't do it, but hey, if you're rich, as rich as the people in this movie, perhaps you can afford to do that. And they, it's probably something they would do because they're scummy. But yeah. more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our review of the third episode of The Last of Us, as well as Infinity Pool. It was kind of a just last minute decision we had a lot of options this week and then jimmy was like let's just go to infinity i was like it's a wild card it could be good (laughs) it could be bad what are our thoughts (gasps) that's what we call it a teaser yeah that's what we call (laughs) a teaser in the business holden (laughs) that one movie podcast (laughs) but first jimmy we have to do the toms Tom's is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Tom's, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. I am so excited to attribute some Tom's to some pieces of news this week, Holden. Let's start with trailers. We got Shazam, Fury mm-hmm. of the Gods, Stardom from the Bottom, Nawahil. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, it's a new trailer for Shazam. It comes out in a couple months. I think it comes out mid-March. I guess probably a month and a half at this point. But um, yeah, what you what you think of this trailer? I thought, holy smokes, it has been four years since the Shazam movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. And their yeah. kids, like... This is like, how will they make the next one? They're all going to be like adults. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking that while watching this, I'm like, well, Zachary Levi is supposed to be like, canonically, it's supposed to be like what Billy looks like as an adult. So like when Billy actually becomes an adult and doesn't look like Zachary Levi, what's going to happen then? Yeah. Maybe just recast him as Zachary Levi. I don't know. But um. yeah, I don't know. Trailer looks fun, action packed. Uh, I mean, you got. Zachary Levi's hamming it up. He looks like he's doing a good job. You got Helen Mirren, who I I made a joke that she should be doing her own stunts for this movie. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, she and I think it's I think it's Lucy Liu is the other one. Uh, They're the two villains. It looks like Um, got uh, Rachel Zegler from West Side Story. She's in it. Some role. Who knows? Um, I don't know. I think it looks okay. Um, is it still is it still David, San David? Yeah, S. David Sandberg. S. Sandberg. Yeah. Um, I uh, like him. Hope it does well. It looks like a lot of CGI. Looks mm-hmm. like a little bit like a cheap Doctor Strange. <laughs> it kind of does. Yeah. I I mean I think what what will save it is is the charm. Ultimately, I think that's was probably the best part about the first movie. Granted, I don't remember a lot about the first movie. <laughs> As you said, came out four years ago. Maybe I'll rewatch it for this uh, before this. But um, yeah, hopefully it's it's cute and fun and a good time. Yeah. 
hopefully, yeah, it's uh, it, the fury of the gods makes it an interesting movie. We'll see. Hold on. I'm going to go Bergeron for this. I'll, I'll also give it a Bergeron. Perfect. Now, Jimmy, this week we got the Oscar nominations. It's a big yeah. week in movies because the Oscar nominations came out. Um, so we're going to run through uh, kind of the awards. We'll mostly we'll stop and talk for like the big ones that we have opinions on. Well, I will swim through the awards since I am still treading water in my infinity pool. OK, perfect. Perfect. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, we have best sound, which I always forget that they have combined sound mixing and editing <laughs> into just best sound now. Um, but best sound, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun Maverick. Cool. Why are we going through the best sound category? It's good. Know. I don't know. I'm just running. Well, Jump like to I said, the I'll meat run. and potatoes, Holden. Well, for, I do want to mention best original score, um, All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon. Which, uh, yeah, I saw Holden. I'm like, yeah, he's going to want that to win. Yep. Uh, Banshees of Annie Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Fablemans. Uh, screw you, John Williams. Uh, Justin Hurwitz is getting this one. Just kidding. <laughs> like, did, we've just, talked- did John Williams do The Fablemans? Yeah, he did. Wow. What a hack. Yeah, what a hack. No, I, I think <laughs> <laughs> Babylon is my pick, but I also think considering I think it won the Golden Globe, it probably has a good shot anyway. Um, all right, we'll skip ahead. I don't know anything about live action short. Uh, don't know anything about animated short. Don't know anything about documentary short. Uh, best animated. Um, we've got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which interesting that that counts. We can talk about that. Uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. The Sea Beast, which I haven't seen, and Turning Red. So we have, I, I've seen four of these. You've seen three. Mm-hmm. Pretty stacked with- category when like Turning Red. I mean, I haven't seen uh, Sea Beast or whatever, but I would say like, sounds like Turning Red's the worst of those and Turning Red's a pretty good movie. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on we both loved uh, Marcel and Puss in Boots um, and I really liked Pinocchio, so... Those the, are Disney, all movies. the Disney remake Holden is saying. Yeah, like of course. The Disney one, not the Guillermo del Toro one. Yeah. That <laughs> That's nominated. What's your What's your opinion on Marcel being counted as animated? Um, I don't know what else to call it. I mean, it, Guillermo del Toro's is animated too, and it's stop motion. So isn't Marcel stop motion? Well, I, I guess I'm thinking of it from the fact that there's like live action portions in it. I don't know. I mean, but I, you're probably right. I mean, it is the majority of it is, you know, with Marcel and it's stop motion. So I say give it to Puss in Boots and call it a day. That's what I, I think I'm with with you on that one. Puss in Boots. The other two. Well, the other three I've seen are great. Um, but yeah, Puss in Boots. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but it will probably go to Pinocchio because the Academy likes Guillermo. Um, best visual effects. All quiet. Avatar, The Batman, Black Panther, Top Gun. You have a preference there. I've seen all of them except for Best Effects. Yeah. It's got to be Avatar. I mean, come on. Yeah. I don't think there's <laughs> there's much uh, disagreement there. Um, I don't know anything about... I don't know any of these original songs, and I've seen three of the movies that <laughs> these songs are... So just for, skip. Next category. Yeah. Um don't know the best international ones film editing uh best film editing banshees elvis everything everywhere tar or top gun 
See, the problem is, is we haven't seen freaking seven of the ten best picture nominees. Yeah. <laughs> which is strange. Yeah, it's hard for these. I mean, if I had to pick one of out of the ones I've seen there, I'd say everything everywhere. But, I mean, the other ones could be very good. This is editing again? Yeah, that's editing. Yeah, I mean, that movie's incredibly well edited. So, yeah, yeah give yeah. it to that. I feel like it would be hard to top it, honestly, because there's just so much, like, <laughs> impressive things happening in that movie that I don't know how in a million years they accomplished. Well, so. I mean, and, like, the visual effects are all edited. Like, like mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, I'm going to hire you to do CGI. It's like, no, they just are like, how can we edit this together? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to pull off this effect, which is really cool. So I would definitely give editing to them without having seen the others, just because I went to that movie and I was like, wow, that was edited incredibly well. And that's not normally the first thought that comes to me when I leave a movie. Exactly. Um, best cinematography we have all quiet on the western front uh elvis empire of light tar and that bardo movie wow none of which i have seen <laughs> yeah Incredible. also i've not seen any of these i started reading that thinking i had seen at least one of them uh best original screenplay the banshees of any sharon everything everywhere the fableman's tar and triangle of sadness yeah i mean recurring theme i've only seen everything everywhere so yeah We'll get on these. So we'll just give it to everything everywhere by default. Yep. <laughs> by default. Best adapted screenplay, All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, interesting, uh, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. What was the first one again? All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, I got to just see these movies, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to see them. Yeah. I mean, I think. Didn't did Knives Out the first one get a screenplay nomination too? I think so. Okay. Cool. Uh, best supporting actress we have Angela Bassett for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. Good performances that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, well, we we have seen three of three of yeah. those performances, so yeah. it's um, kind of sad that I don't think I'll probably see the whale now, just because yeah. I have seven other movies <laughs> to see because before the Oscars in a I, month. <laughs> it, I think it, for me, it kind of depends if it gets like released on streaming or anything like anywhere convenient. But yeah, I mean, we we have all these other ones we need to see. I did see Tar is on Peacock now. Um, do you have peacock or i something? do have peacock um and of course all, all along the western front is netflix so yep. might not have to go to the theaters for all these no um elvis best, is on hbo max oh that's right yep and so is banshees banshees yep so you cool. can stream a lot of these we'll be catching up we'll be catching up uh, best Supporting Actor, we have Brendan Gleeson for Banshees, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch, The Fablemans, Barry Keegan, Banshees, and Kehoe Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. That's cool for Kehoe Kwan. Yeah. Good for yeah. him. And he won the he won the Golden Globe for Musical Comedy, that award. Uh, or Actually, Supporting might be combined for Golden Globes. I can't remember. But he won. So he has a good shot. Cool. And he was very good so good for him um best lead actress kate blanchett for tar 
Ana de Armas for Blonde. Interesting. Andrea Riceborough to Leslie. Michelle Williams, The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Is it just like mandatory that people have to get nominated for something if it's a biopic? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Unless there's always like uh, there has to be like one there's one biopic nom every year. And honestly, I'm thinking about it and I feel like the last few years granted I I'm I'm thinking of best actress. This could be in best actor as well, but best actress the last few years I think has had like nominations for biopics that overall are considered mediocre <laughs> like i think i'm trying to remember there was that uh billy holiday movie that came out last year i think got an acting nom that i heard it was like an okay movie there was that judy garland movie from a couple years ago that uh, i think renee zellweger got nominated but i heard the movie was just fine i don't know it's interesting <laughs> yeah i'm not sure um but oh, there one thing I do want to mention: the Andrea Riceborough one for Two Leslie is kind of has some like controversy around it because like no like no one had heard of this movie. It was like like people were like, "What is this movie? I've never heard of this before." Um, apparent it's this movie that um it did get a theatrical release. I think it only made like under a hundred grand in theaters or something. Did not get very much at all. Um. So that's fine in and of itself. It's not like the movie has to be successful, but like the Academy is investigating the fact that apparently the director's wife was like contacting celebrities to like push for a grassroots campaign or something. Like there's a lot of celebrities that apparently posted stuff on social media about this movie, but it was all like the same caption. Like it was copy pasted almost. Uh. So I don't know. I don't know if there's any like bad things happening there, but just a very interesting situation that I started re- going down a rabbit hole while I was pulling this stuff together. It'd be funny if they did it for just some random extra in a movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like coffee <laughs> customer number four. <laughs> she was just, this was the best performance of the year. Yeah. And the Oscar goes to. Billy, uh, what's his name? Yay. <laughs> Babies and uh, credit cards. All right, Holden, best, what is it, actor now? Yep, best lead actor. We've got Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inna Sharon, which apparently this is his first Oscar nom. I'm kind of surprised Incredible. Yeah, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, uh, Paul Mescal, After Sun, and Bill Nighy, Living. This is After Sun's only nomination, which is which, surprising because I've heard nothing but great things about it. Everybody's like, it's the greatest movie I've ever seen <laughs> with my eyeballs. The best directorial debut. Yeah, I've well, ever apparently seen. the Academy didn't think so. <laughs> you get an acting nomination. I do want to watch it. I've heard it's, it is very good. I think just based on word of mouth alone, I'll probably watch it at some point. You and also to- the fact that I think it's only like 90 minutes. So oh, you have to watch it at night. Mm-hmm. Because it's after, after the sun, after sun, yeah. obviously. Um, Brendan Fraser is probably going to get that though, even though I have not seen any of those. Um, best director, actually, hold up. I, then again, we did say that about Chadwick Boseman like two years ago, and that did not happen. So <laughs> Anthony Hopkins wins again. Yeah. <laughs> what What's going on here? Uh, best director, uh, Martin McDonough for Banshees, uh, The Daniels for Everything Everywhere, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostlund for Triangle of Sadness. 
I have no idea who's going to win that one. Yeah. I mean, knee jerk. I want to say Steven Spielberg just because he like always wins <laughs> when he's nominated. I feel. I just, it's incredible to me that Steven Spielberg came out with a movie that is like, uni- not universally acclaimed, but highly acclaimed and freaking nobody has seen it. Mm-hmm. How, what happened? <laughs> like, how did this happen? Like, it wasn't, it didn't even come to the theater in my town. I think it's, I think it is in theaters now here. It is now, um, but how does a Steven Spielberg movie not even come to a city the size of 200,000 people? I don't know. Maybe they saw West Side Story's failure and are like, oh, this guy's a hack now. Yeah. What the heck's going on? <laughs> Uh, anyway, then we have the big award, Best Picture. Uh, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Banshees of Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So yeah, we've only seen a fraction of these, <laughs> surprisingly. Like we do, I mean, obviously we, we'll see bad movies like Halloween ends <laughs> yeah. then that's not going to get nominated but we do go out of our way to see good movies sometimes when they're, when they're available um, but yeah just kind of surprised we only got three from just a regular movie going this year um, yeah I mean out of the ones that I've seen I would pick everything everywhere personally yes absolutely uh, and honestly, I mean, I feel like, I mean, we'll see. I've heard Banshees is really good. People really like Tar and stuff. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that remains still my, my pick. Um, um, Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just really upset that Elvis got nominated because I don't <laughs> want to sit through that freaking movie. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to watch it. Yeah, it's I just don't. I'm it's sorry. Just like I will a be on for my two and a half hours. I will be on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. glad I do not have to go to the theater. I don't want to support that movie. <laughs> I don't even have reason to hate it. Really, I just don't like it. It is. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to see Tom Hanks' uh, Razzie-nominated performance too. So. Just watching that trailer hurts me. <laughs> and the fact that Austin Butler like has his Elvis accent and like didn't talk to his family for three years and is a method actor just makes me upset. Yeah, it is not the best. I just... Method acting is stupid. I'm it sorry. Is. Get over <laughs> yourself. Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis, get over yourself. Amateur. <laughs> I mean, okay, here. How about... yeah. I like who who said it. I was like nobody method acts as like a nice person. Or That's true. Method I mean, I guess I don't a hole. Is Austin Butler an a hole? Uh, Elvis. Austin Butler is he? Like, well, I don't know if Austin Butler is, but he's method acting as Elvis. So. Oh, I see what you're saying. You method a- yeah. act as him. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Why isn't yeah, Jared anyway. Leto method act as? You know, Mr. Rogers. That yeah, might change my opinion on him. He method acts as Morbius. Morbius is not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more of the Joker, but Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm just upset that Elvis got nominated. The whale didn't even though I might not have liked the whale, I don't even know. Yeah, I mean at least we would have gotten a, had an excuse to see Brendan Fraser's performance that everyone's raving about. 
like I said, I might still catch it at some point. I think it's actually playing at the state this week. I don't know. We'll see if I have time. I'm just upset because I would rather have the whale RRR, which I still haven't seen yet, or Mm -hmm. After Sun be nominated over that. Yeah, all movies we're more interested in. (laughs) Like freaking three hours of my life watching Elvis, however that and undoubtedly mediocre movie is gonna get a migraine <laughs> from watching why, it why is this movie nominated for best picture i do not understand i am i am excited uh to have an excuse to watch all quiet on the western front and triangle of sadness because i've yes. heard a lot of good things about both of those and banshees is um, triangle of sadness on anything i don't think so um and that, uh, that one's weird to rent though it's like six bucks Okay, Triangle of Sadness is weird because I'm pretty sure it's technically a Swedish film, but it didn't get nominated for Best International. So, I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. I think it is English language, though, so maybe the Academy is like, oh, that's that's not foreign because it's English language from a different country. <laughs> yeah. Well, overall, I give you Oscars a Bergeron. Yeah, uh, I'll give it a Bergeron as well. Do better off Elvis, you get a Bombadil, a movie I have not seen, but I <laughs> even am though we have prejudice towards. What if you love it? I look, I'll remain open minded. <laughs> I will glance up at the screen between scrolling on Reddit as it's okay. playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for Oscars uh, until March 14th uh, when that happens. So I. Uh, keep on the lookout for that we'll we'll be covering some of these oscar nominated movies on the podcast between now and then on to other news though uh first off jimmy yes we both quite liked we both quite liked barbarian this year correct well yes i really (laughs) liked it yeah, you liked it even more than me. Um, the director Zach Krager uh, has it's kind of revealed a bit more about his new move, his next movie. It's going to be called Weapons, um, and he described it as an interrelated multi-story horror epic that tonally is in the vein of Magnolia, which I have never seen Magnolia, so I, I don't know either. what that means. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I, I mean, it's heard it's good, but don't know anything about it. Um, Apparently, New Line Cinema has uh, bought distribution rights for it, and uh, Zach Krager ha- actually gets final cut of the film, too. So it is going to be whatever he wants. I think Barbarian was so well done. My goodness. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for whatever this guy does next. So broke off for me. Yeah, broke off for me, too. I, th- I think it's just a testament to how well it's done. I mean, it was like such a sleeper hit, too. Like, there was really not much about it prior to release and it's just been like a word of mouth i feel it's kind of that and puss in boots are kind of the two like big word of mouth movies this year um but yeah good for him glad he's getting more work barbarians a movie i was like i would be super proud of myself if i made that (laughs) so (laughs) it's your like first yeah like what the heck i'm like this is and it it and for me it's like it's the biggest testament is when you watch it the second time Mm-hmm. And it like for it to be as good the second time, if not better, is just incredible to the direction. And I just got to appreciate the direction sure. the second sure. time even more so. So very excited. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, next up, I think this actually was confirmed last week. I forgot to bring it up. But uh, Invincible, 
I had a little teaser released. Um, it wasn't re- it wasn't really a trailer or anything, so I didn't have us watch it. But season two is confirmed to be coming in late 2023. Um, but also, in addition to that, uh, Universal apparently is still making a live action Invincible movie, uh, which has been in development hell for years. Um, the uh, creator of Invincible, like the comic Robert uh, Kirkman had a quote he said we're very much still working on that some sometimes movies take a bit longer i think it's safe to say if anything the show has just helped that immensely people are very excited about that movie potential at universal so we're writing that excitement and trying to push things forward as quickly as possible what are your thoughts so wait it's a live action movie is that what you said yeah live action movie it's i think universal is making it so it's like not amazon but it's not connected to the show. It's just an adaptation of the story. I think so, yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm not sure how to feel about that when you have the show and people like the show. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's unnecessary. Yeah. it's It seems weird that it would be coming out around like the same time. Just because I feel like it would be confusing. I mean... I get what he's saying where like like Universal's looking at the show and being like, oh, that's successful. So now a movie might be successful. But I don't know. I can't really think of like a precedent to this where we've had like a, a an adaptation of a film at the same time as like a TV show. Seems very bizarre. It does. Is it going to spoil the show? Oh, that's why I don't know. I mean, the I wouldn't think they would try to cram like like everything into that movie i don't know what they would do i mean no doubt they'd want a series out of it but i mean you have less time in a movie so i don't know how they would condense stuff how they would decide what to cut out i mean honestly i feel like if you like <laughs> I mean, it would be really dumb but if the movie was just like the first season of the show i think that would be like a really good start and end for a movie but i don't know uh, then at the same time you're like well i just watched this on tv so yeah i don't know i guess maybe it's the gateway drug yeah you know i'm i'm because it'll be more accessible for a lot of people because mm-hmm. you might get some people like i'm watching animated shows that's for children <laughs> what's this the simpsons i don't like the, what's this family guy <laughs> <laughs> who's this the family guy <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I um, I mean, I think it could do really well. At the same time, though, I'm like, it, it's probably has to be like a really big budget and it's going to be R rated. So I'm also like, how financially viable is this? I don't know. I mean, I'll be excited to see it. So I guess it's mm-hmm. a broke up, but it's just strange. Yeah, it's a broke up for me, too. Until more details come out and I don't like it. I'll, this broke up. <laughs> Unless Austin Butler's the main character. He's playing Elvis. Yeah. Oh, I think something else to note about season two. Um, the te- did you watch the teaser they released at I all? Did, I did not. Okay, it was just it. It didn't even look like it was a clip from the series. It was just kind of fourth wall breaking. Some of the characters talking about it or whatever. But it was animated differently than season one, and I don't know if that's just the teaser or if that's the direction they're going. But I think it might be an improvement, at least in terms of general quality. It might be an improvement, like as. Compared to the, if that's the direction they go, I mean, if they go, if they go with the art style from the first one, that first season, I think that works. It was just rough in some places. And with all this time they spent, I'm sure they can iron it out. But if they are changing the art style a bit, I think it could be good. 
So oh, I don't know. The Guardians of the Globe. I'm going to beat you up. Thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, uh, Omni-Man. Uh. Austin Butler. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll give Invincible in general a bro call. Sure, why not? I enjoyed it. I don't love it quite as much as everybody else does. And by the way, Holden, I am the original. What? That's an inside joke from the series, Holden. I don't remember. <laughs> the guy who's a clone, they're arguing who's the original all the time. Oh, that's right. I'm going to have to rewatch that when the new season comes out, but that's okay. Quite enjoyed it. Anyway, next piece of news, Robert Eggers Nosferatu. Um, wouldn't you guess it, Willem Dafoe is in talks <laughs> to be in it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's not known uh, like what role he he's going to be playing, but yeah, who would have guessed that Willem Dafoe is going to be in his recently one of his more frequent collaborators uh, movies? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, whenever I hear Nosferatu, I just think of the hash slinging slasher episode of SpongeBob. It's a classic. Where he's yeah. flicking the lights on and off, and they're like Nosferatu. Nosferatu. And I had no idea what that. I was like, "What does Nosferatu mean?" And then I realized that. I remember my parents. Th- uh, I remember my parents thinking it was really funny, and they like tried to explain it to me. And I, I'm just a kid. I'm like, okay, I like didn't get it. <laughs> it was just kind of funny to as a kid. It's just funny because it's weird. But yeah. Um. Well, look, Willem Dafoe. It. I'm. I'm guessing I'm not gonna enjoy this movie because <laughs> it will probably be very pretentious. So, but I on paper I'm excited. We'll see. I, I I have hopes for it. If it's like kind of just a weird old like German vampire movie, it might be kind of cool. If maybe it's if it's in like the vein of like the classic or whatever. I I feel like he's gonna take obviously a lot of inspiration from it. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, I'm not even like the biggest fan of the Lighthouse, and I don't like the Witch. So but the I fact do that I like even, the Northman, I do. I love the Northman. Um, so. I'm still interested in this, even though I'm. It's like one and a half uh, for three for me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know I'm something of a Nosferatu myself. Uh, yeah, I'll go Bergeron. Perfect. All right. Um, Jimmy announced this week. There's a new, a whole new lot of ter- uh, Tomb Raider stuff coming out. Oh, boy. Um, We're getting a new series on Amazon Prime that's going to be written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's obviously the writer of Fleabag. She's going to be in the new Indiana Jones movie, and I think is also a writer. She's in Solo. She's like the uh, droid in Solo that they're like, you're going to love the droid in Solo. And we're like, I don't really like the droid in Solo. (laughs) (laughs) She was, that droid was the most annoying part of Solo. Um. But then not only are they making a new series, Amazon is also making a Tomb Raider film, which apparently will tie into the series. Uh, and I don't think Waller Bridge is attached to the film. And not only that, we're also apparently getting a new Tomb Raider video game that will be a tie-in. We're getting Woo-hoo. a Tomb Raider shared universe, <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> the Tombver- Tombverse. Tombverse. Um... What do you what do you think of a lot of new Tomb Raider content? So is Alicia Vikander out? I assume. Like I I didn't say see either way, but I have to assume she's out. That is a movie I continued to forget exists. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's only like whenever it's like, oh, new Tomb Raider movie in development, which I feel like happens every few months. Um, so whenever that happens, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that was movie a movie. did well. Yeah. So it's weird. that, And it was like it, a setup for a sequel. <laughs> and then it never came out. It is. It's weird for me because I'm more likely to think of Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider, even though I've never seen that movie. And I have seen the Alicia Vikander one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm like, that movie is just pretty forgettable, I think. It is just nothing. It's a movie that is nothing. It's like the game, but it's really not the game at all. Yeah. And it's not horrible, but it's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it's, I have. That's all I got to say fine. about that. We did that. We watched. That was before we had the that podcast. Was before, right? That was 2018. The dark days, Holden. That was PP pre-podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what I think of when I hear PP. Yes, and nothing um, immature. New Tomb Raider stuff. I'm going to give it a Bergeron. I we'll will see. as well. Then I still haven't played that third one where she causes the end of the world. Yeah. Didn't you say it was good at the beginning, really bad in the middle, and good at the end? That seems right. Although I'm struggling to remember a lot of it. I remember like the end. I remember liking where it goes at the end. Um, And then, yeah, I think I remember the beginning being like, this is not as mediocre as people think. But yeah, it probably be drug in the middle. You're right. Also, what happened to Alicia Vikander? She she, dropped off the face of the world. The Green Knight. She's married to Michael Fassbender. Mm hmm. Wow. Oh, she is in the Green Knight. That's right. Two actors that don't get enough work. <laughs> hey, well, Michael Fassbender is going to be what new David Fincher? Something? Yeah, and and in the uh, Taika Waititi soccer movie. So oh, wow, yeah. Next goal wins. I think that one's called. So hopefully he has finally two wins under his belt. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Tomb Raider, Bergeron. Yeah um final piece of news jimmy showtime and paramount plus are combining um so you can finally get just you you can cancel your showtime subscription i know you have jimmy keep your Mm -hmm. paramount plus one that i don't have either yeah (laughs) i mostly see i pay for paramount plus because my parents want to watch it and they pay for other streaming services so they're like hey if you pay for this that you could keep being in ours and stuff so <laughs> it's it's just kind of something i do um so i still have paramount plus it'll be kind of nice to have showtime on it honestly i've heard like yellow jackets is really good have you heard of that show i've heard of it okay that's like the big show right now on showtime i've heard it's really good so once this few this merger happens i will be watching it is ryan johnson's show on hulu any good or peacock peacock i it, i've heard it's good i haven't watched it i probably will is I, it I mean, like actually a ryan johnson's show or no he created it and i think he's directing like the first few episodes okay it has a pretty stacked cast most of it's like like guest stars it looks like it's kind of like a like a crime of the week show but like funny or something i don't know with natasha leone as the star um i don't know i've heard really good things so i'll probably actually probably check that out this week poker face nice um 
Showtime and Paramount Plus. I'll give it a Brokaw. That way I don't have to be like, oh, that's on Showtime and I don't have Showtime. Is it increasing in price? Don't know that. That I could affect my score. It would. <laughs> I assume it would. I don't really care. I don't have any of these Bergeron. Okay. Um. Yeah, and that is it. Uh, the That's it for pretty much all news i mean the only other thing i have is that the dead space remake is apparently very good nice uh, my brother xander sutter shout out to him he got it day one actually um he's been playing because he's a big dead space fan and he says it's really good so far so there's a lot of dead spray dead space between my ears if you know what i'm saying holden there really is there really <laughs> is jimmy <laughs> we hear that every week when you have a, a joke you run into the ground yeah <laughs> All right. Awesome, Holden. Shall we talk about The Last of Us? Okay, Jimmy. The Last of Us, season one, episode three, came out last night. And it is the biggest departure so far. Um, this is quite a bit different than the game uh, but like like before what we're going to be doing is we'll we'll do spoilers for this episode spoilers for up to this point in the game um, we will be talking about the equivalent in the game so I mean I guess if you have only watched the show and don't want to be spoiled for the game keep that in mind uh, it is quite a bit different just in general um, but yeah Jimmy what you think of this episode um, well, here's the deal, folks. I've been saying a lot that the game has been better. This is the first time where I will say that the show has been definitively better than the game. I'm okay, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> like, holy smokes. This is one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Yeah, wow. I was see, I was worried because I, I, I was worried you would like it but not like love it just in comparison with the game because i mean at least for me personally i do like the bills town segment of the game um i think that's pretty fun i think it's got some memorable memorable parts in it so you know it's you know quite a risk i think um not including any of those bits in here really at all um but well, I mean, honestly I, you got like the high school Mm-hmm. So, I mean, which is when you're introduced to kind of the next level up of the infected from the clicker, which I won't, I guess, won't describe so that mm-hmm. people who haven't played the game, you know. Or it looks like we're getting it in the show at some point. Yes, but. we will. But, you know, just so they can experience that for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's the episode is interesting. So it, it starts out, and it doesn't have the um, cold open, which at first yeah, I'm that, like, oh, God. <laughs> I got I was, like, disappointed at first because I'm like, oh, no. It does, it, it's not, like, a constant thing. I was hoping they'd do this every episode or most episodes or whatever. They still me might. Me too. They, like, they, immediately when the theme song came out, I, was, I turned to Emily. I was like, oh, no cold open this week. Yeah, and you know what? They still might do that because I think the reason why they didn't was because like eighty percent of this episode is a flashback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a um, flashback within a flashback. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah. It starts out. We have Ellie and Joel. They're just kind of they're in the woods. They're talking. They're they're um. 
They have a little conversation. Classic with Ellie and Joel talking in the just, woods. Just talking in the woods. No, they have so they have some good conversations at the beginning of this episode, um, just kind of about the world before um, the outbreak, just because Ellie is very unfamiliar with it. I mean, she was born post outbreak. And as she mentions, like the schools don't teach that kind of stuff just because it's not like necessary or whatever. So I think I liked their little conversations about that kind of stuff. And Joel kind of coming to the realization that he has to like explain this stuff that's just normal to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I liked that. And and then, you know, it gets to the plane shot, which is like the first shot we got. I remembered that being like, yep. I think the first shot that was released for um, like advertising and whatever. And that looked cool and everything. And um, but then we get to the bit where Joel's talking about how like like the what what are they called? FEDRA, right? Yeah, FEDRA. F E D R A, the Federal Emergency Defense did no disease response agency or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that seems right. But um talks about how like they would just like kill innocent people the like like if they didn't have enough room to like help them or anything because they figured it was easier than risk them becoming effect infected which is just like really gruesome <laughs> yeah like, oh, well that's crap. and that's very something that's like i don't remember what that specific idea is in the game but that <laughs> I, that concept or that kind of atmospheric tone is is true to the game very much sure so. yeah um, but then that's, it, it goes into a flashback and it kind of starts out and it's like, oh, is this going to be a flashback? Like showing like these people dying or whatever. That's what I, was, I thought. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, it was getting nerve wracking, but then it quickly shifts over to being about Bill, um, played by Nick Offerman, who has to be getting an Emmy nom for this episode. Right. Yeah. I, in, uh, <laughs> first off, I'm just glad that he was playing Ron Swanson too, for a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I hope they just sat down there like, all right, Nick, if there was a an apocalypse, what are what are you gonna do? Like what would you do? <laughs> like I hope that's all they got. Uh all the see the, the montage of Bill just setting up his own town and just the glee of him being alone. Yeah. Satisfied like that too. And um yeah, so he it's bill in the he's he's basically he's very similar to bill in the game i mean we we see a much tender like more tender side to him here but especially Mm -hmm. at like the beginning when we just kind of see bill without getting to know him it's very very much very similar to how he is in the games just kind of standoffish abrasive you know and um so i i liked that kind of staying true to the character but we we get to dig deeper into him we have we have that montage the montage is fun we get to see all the traps and everything um but then we're introduced to frank yeah um falls into one of bill's traps and uh oh i should mention frank is if you've seen the white lotus frank is played by uh the concierge in the first season of white lotus and i as soon as i saw him i'm like where do i know this guy from i'm like oh yeah i just watched white lotus that's where (laughs) but um yeah um and he's also very very good in this episode um yeah he's incredible they meet and they're they you know apprehensive at first and everything i'm sorry i'm like running i'm i keep running through this just keep talking you should add in stuff jimmy 
I, I don't have anything to add so far, I think, yet. I mean, okay. we can talk about Frank in the show versus the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for those of you who haven't played the game or just don't remember, haven't played in a while, uh, when you meet Bill, um, it's clear that he and Joel have some sort of history. Joel claims that he owes him a favor. I don't think they ever define what, why. Um but Bill seems to kind of, he's like, uh, F you or whatever. But he's like, ah, I guess I do. <laughs> Something like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, and the whole goal of Bill's place is to get a car. Mm-hmm. And um, which, I mean, if you think about the end of the episode, they get a car. So, I mean, that the, the, the end result happens. is the yeah. same. <laughs> yeah. But when they meet Bill, he's just super just curmudgeon hates mm-hmm. Ellie in particular. Yeah. And complains about this frank guy all the time who's just this presence he's not around but he's like oh Mm -hmm. my old partner frank f you frank you did this and f frank he must have stole this battery out of this truck we were going after um and then you find out as you're going through this town you end up in this house and you turn around and like there's this corpse from the from the ceiling and it's like the, a guy wearing a Hawaiian shirt and like apparently always wore a Hawaiian shirt. So he's like, ah, oh, that's Frank. He's the only idiot who would wear a Hawaiian shirt like that. And you find this note left behind where Frank's like, F you bill, you F and suck. You know, it's like, so like <laughs> what the heck was this guy's relationship? But you can tell like there are hints that like there was something here, mm-hmm. like at least like a deep friendship, if not a romantic relationship. And then, as Joel and Ellie are driving off, Ellie finds like a porno magazine, like a gay porno magazine. So which sure. makes you think that maybe there was something going on there. But that's like the extent of what you get with Frank in the game. So this is completely fledged out. I mean, I was just waiting for them to separate, mm-hmm. I guess. And yeah, I, I mean, I oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say I, I fully expected them to either separate like they do kind of in the game or one of them die i mean like as Mm -hmm. as the episode was going and we saw their relationship was much more you know positive and everything than what was kind of represented in the game i was like okay maybe one of them is going to tragically die and then that's going to be why bill is you know so you know just hardened and you know taking no crap and everything like he is in the game um but it just doesn't go in either of those directions at all (laughs) No, there's a part of me that thought maybe Bill would die and Frank would live or something. Um, yeah, I mean, especially when when Bill got shot later on. Um, yeah, but yeah. that would have been interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree too. I think in the game, it's my interpretation was that Frank was also kind of a survivalist. Mm-hmm. But in the show, it's not. He's kind of just like, oh, just more like the, so, like the emotional side. Yeah. Whereas Bill it, is just the, you know survivor cold yeah they complement each they complement each other well um they're really well represented in the show because it's like i mean it it's a dynamic you see in a lot of relationships and movies and stuff or one of them is the more hardened you know kept to himself maybe introverted or whatever and the other one's like social extroverted and you know more into is trying to you know wear down the 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 sharp edges on bill and whatever and so it's it's a very well-worn but good dynamic 
yeah and I, I just love how you really experienced the whole relationship i think emily mm-hmm. brought up like the beginning of up it's kind of like a similar kind of situation where you experience this people's lives together mm-hmm. yeah you really do um and just kind of i guess getting back in the the chronological timeline of things you have and they go inside have dinner um which just the food looks so good in this yeah, episode. It does. <laughs> I, like, I don't I don't entirely know where he gets like the meat and everything. I'm sure he probably just has a big stockpile or whatever because he is a survivalist, but it it looks so good. I like every time it was on screen I was like, "Oh man. Maybe Nick Offerman really made that too. I feel like he he could do it." <laughs> um <laughs> but then there's the scene at the piano. Um which is great. I think that's really where like, especially Nick Offerman's performance really started to like click with me. Cause it, it's just like he, he's playing so many angles to this character. And my favorite is just when he's vulnerable. Cause mm-hmm. he's, he's like, he's so uncomfortable with being that vulnerable and you can see it on his face and, and everything, but he's, he ends up being willing to do that for Frank and you see that progression of being more open with Frank throughout the episode and everything. It's he's so he's like I said, he's getting uh, the guest star Emmy nomination this year. He has to be. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was, it was just exceptional. Just the fear to just felt like a real relationship. Honestly, Mm -hmm. that was the most, well-written part of the episode and and just superbly well acted yeah um the song choice uh what was it called it's linda ronstadt um i can't remember it was an interesting choice i wasn't really familiar with the song um but it worked really well for the episode and um yeah and using it at the end there also made me tear up a bit but yeah liked it um and there's several time jumps in this episode as we as we kind of progress through the relationship usually it's it's like three there's a couple three-year time jumps and then the last one is a 10-year time jump um but each time it's just interesting to kind of see them as they're getting older you know as the relationship is developing we don't have to see like every little bit in between we can just kind of get these big points and understand where they're at and everything yeah um very very cool i like them uh meeting with with tess and and joel for the Mm -hmm. first time that was a lot of fun it was it's i mean it's cool because it gives us just a little bit more you know background joel and tess and everything but also just more with with frank and bill um speaking of which i i was trying to think of where to mention it but i saw the actress who played Tess and the games just died this week. Yeah, that was Annie crazy. The, yeah, the yeah, uh, the day this episode came out, I believe. Oh wow. Yeah, um, yeah, which is horrible cancer. Um, I, and I, yeah, I didn't realize who it was too because I, <laughs> I watched the Marvel's Runaways on Hulu and she was like a main character in that. I didn't realize it was the same person. But yeah, I mean that's just incredibly sad too. Mm-hmm. But I agree. Uh, no, like that was nice to see them and kind of okay. Why does it, why do they have this relationship? Um, and just <laughs> Bill's uh kind of hesitancy to involve anyone else in his life. 
I, I, the, like, probably the funniest part to me was just when he kept pointing the gun at Joel, and they would just, like, casually, they, like, Frank would just be like, stop pointing the gun. <laughs> it was just, like, really funny. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> Get that gun out of my face. Whatever, whatever Pedro Pascal says. Yeah, and I, I, I like the... I mean, we don't get a ton of, like, Joel and Bill in this, but I like their dynamic as it's presented here, and they, they're very similar in a lot of ways, and, that, I mean, that's t- that ties into the letter at the end as mm-hmm. well. But um, I just, I kind of li- <laughs> liked that a lot. I liked their interactions. Yeah, I mean, you jump forward when they're um, starting to get older, like the strawberry moment was very mm-hmm. cute i like how he's like oh i traded one of your guns for seeds he's like what oh yeah. it's a small one <laughs> i just good. i just thought it was really well done too because i'm just waiting for them to have this argument that's going to split them up so every mm-hmm. like little sign of any potential conflict yeah you get a little little nervous or whatever but not on the strawberries silly <laughs> that's funny uh obviously yeah. you have the like the raiders come too yeah, which was which was really well executed, I think. I mean, I I think you could look at it like, oh, they could they could have had, you know, a little bit more action in camera or whatever, but I think it works as it is cuz it's just like terrifying. You don't know where anyone is and like it's all being lit up by the fire in the background and it's it's very disorienting, and I think that's on purpose. I yeah, um, and like you said, as someone who's played the game, we know that Frank is dead, so we're like as soon as he's like trying to bring him back, I'm just waiting oh, for yeah. Frank to get shot. And oh yeah, so like even that, it's like it adds a dramatic tension to people for people who have played the game too, for all mm-hmm. of this stuff, which is pretty, uh, pretty excellent for a an adaptation to achieve that yeah. level of tension for somebody who's already experienced a version of the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's like we said this this episode is basically just completely different than this part of the game so that just helps too like we don't know anywhere any of this is going basically but while you're watching it you don't know the extent of how much it's going to be different that's true yeah because we don't know that they are not going to go on this adventure to the high school to find a car yeah i mean up until like close to the end i was still thinking like okay bill's still going to be in this you know he's still going to be in this like maybe like the part with Joel and Ellie, maybe it'll be shortened down with how long this episode's getting. <laughs> but maybe Bill will be there. He'll be old this time. He can't really do a ton, and he's still there or whatever. But no, as as it goes on, that becomes pretty clear. That's that's not happening. Well, yeah, they also had a, a working vehicle too. Mm-hmm. So I was like, is Bill or is Frank gonna steal the 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 car and that's why they have to go the truck or whatever that's where they have to go get it and that's how they find out he's dead and all that mm-hmm. oh yeah that, that would have worked too um but yeah that the final time jump after the the raid is when they're old it's ten the 10 year time jump which is basically present day um and it's just like the most <laughs> the most tragic heartbreaking like 15 minutes <laughs> oh my goodness it's i i cried um for quite a bit of this part um i mean it it's it was sad at first you know seeing they're old and whatever but as soon as like frank says that he's like oh this is going to be my last day and i want you to basically 
kill me, you know, to put me out of my misery or whatever after this. Let me have lived a good life. Um, of course, Bill's like super not into it. Um, and it's just Nick Offerman made me cry. It wasn't even like the whole situation. It was like seeing him cry, like was what made me start crying. Yeah. Um, that was great. Um, special thing of note, the music in this, did you, were you, okay. I was okay. The music starts and I'm like, it took me out of the, I'm like, this is very beautiful, but this is from something. I'm like, is this the music in Arrival? <laughs> okay. So I had like, I had a couple layers going. I actually, I didn't remember it being from Arrival. I was like, I recognize this. Is this from the game or something? Like, do I just not remember it in the game? Um, and then I look and I was also thinking the whole time. I'm like, this also sounds like it could be in the leftovers. <laughs> oh, is it in the leftovers too? It's not, but it's the same composer. Okay. Uh, Max Richter. Um, or at least I don't think I it is. Michael Giacchino did. Okay. So, the so leftovers. interesting fact. So this, it, um, no, Max Richter did leftovers. But okay. so this piece of music, I can't remember exactly what it's called. On the nature of daylight. I yeah. looked it up like literally 10 minutes before we started the podcast. I'm like, I have to look this up to make sure this is right. Cause I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to talk about. And I was sure. like, cause I forgot to look it up last night when we watched it. And I was like, I like, it's a beautiful piece of music, but I'm like, is this, I'm like, this is from arrival, I think. <laughs> and it is. I, I looked, I was like, I couldn't figure out. I tried to like the last of us episode three music and it was kept coming up with the, Theme song, Ronstadt thong, song. Oh, that one. Yeah. And I'm like, God, I swear. So I'm like, uh, Arrival, <laughs> Climax. You know, this movie I sent, I haven't seen really mm-hmm. forever. Like, I think I watched, I caught like part of the ending on TV like five years ago, four years ago. And um, again, after I'd seen it in the theaters. And I'm, and so I looked it up on YouTube and I'm like, yep, this is it. <laughs> Well, and it's used so well in Arrival too. Yes, like, in Arrival, it's, it's used very well too. But my the fact I wanted to mention about it was that piece of music disqualified the Arrival score from being nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> I was gonna say because I'm like, it's not by Johan Johansson who did the yeah. score for that. Yeah, and I don't know exactly. I mean, obviously, you know, you have scores that use old music, and I think those have been nominated. So I don't know if it's like amount of time that it's used in a movie or something. Like maybe the fact that's like a five, six minute sequence in Arrival that disqualified it. I don't know. During the climax of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's just weird, though, that you would have that at the climax of the movie, but have a different composer for the rest of it. Yeah, well, and it's it's not even like it's not like they wrote it for Arrival either. Like I I looked it up. I think it's used in Shutter Island, which I've never seen. Um, Is it? I, it? I don't remember it in Shutter Island. Yeah, it looked like it was. It, it's been used in a lot of things. I was like, oh wow, okay. And there's like a couple movies that I <laughs> that I saw on the list of it, that it's been used in. I'm like, oh, I want to watch that. So now I'm gonna watch that and notice it. <laughs> it's gonna distract me. <laughs> but um, anyway. That was a bit bit of a tangent. Very good piece of music. It, it did take me out just because I was trying to recognize it, but I think it worked really well on this still. It was like, it made made it very just that much more emotional, a montage. Yeah, no, it's it's a good piece of music. Um, but yeah, I mean, not a dry eye in the house when you get no. there. I was like, I have not seen Emily cry like that since La La Land. Holy smokes. Really? Wow. Yeah. No, like, yeah, she's not. Was, a, she is not a movie crier, and she was bawling. 
Yeah, it's it, it, I was crying and honest like I should have seen it coming but like when when Bill like revealed that he had put the pills in like the bottle I like yeah. it, like I it surprised me and I was like and that just hit me harder I was like oh my god <laughs> I'm like tearing up actually thinking about it right now <laughs> like it's just like and then he's like I should be mad but it's just so romantic yeah I'm just like it, oh my gosh god and then I kept being like something's gonna go wrong but then they they have a little notebook ending they, they do it, oh my, it's I mean, it's beautiful for what it is. I mean, tragic, but also beautiful. Um, and yeah, and then they, uh, after the extended flashback, you get back to Joel and Ellie who have arrived at Bill's compound. It's clearly run down a bit. So it's it's kind of unclear how long it's been. I assume like a month or two would mm-hmm. be my guess. Like, because there's visible like, like a few issues with the compound but at the same time like they go out there or wait did now that i'm saying it did joel mention like in episode one or two how long it had been since he went out there out where out to bill's compound i feel like he there was some line about it that either oh, he or i don't Tess think said. he had been there in a long time okay okay so it could have been you know you know months or even years but yeah yeah, it's they get there and yeah, it's they they find the letter, which the letter is also very sad, but it's it also very neatly ties into and very clearly ties into how Joel and Ellie's relationship is going to develop. And it implies Tess and that tension and just yeah, that, that was just like ooh, that was a gut punch. You yeah. knew that Ellie was about to read Tess's name and. Mm-hmm. And w- and that's just great in, its- in itself because, like, that is very much a, a thing that you would experience in the game. I mean, not specifically that, but you fi- you go into a house like that, you would see two bodies, you know, in a bed. And mm-hmm. then you would find a note kind of explaining maybe something, or implying what could have happened or something or relating to what happened. Yeah. And in that way, it's such a faithful adaptation without just having the spirit of something you would experience in the game without it just being plucked from the game. I'm just waiting for them to start picking up a bunch of scrap on the ground, you know? <laughs> well, they kind of did that in this episode too. That's true. Yeah. I did. Yeah, Joel I, makes I don't remember if I mentioned it last week, but the uh, Joel giving <laughs> Tess a boost. I was oh, like, yeah. <laughs> cause the first episode I was going to say like, what how many episodes is it going to take for somebody to give someone else a boost i remember i saw this tweet uh when the trailer came out or like some of the teasers were coming out in like the weeks leading up to the first episode's release and like it was just a screenshot of one frame from the trailer and like oh thank god i can confirm they have ladders from the game yeah <laughs> in this <laughs> bricks they haven't <laughs> thrown a brick or a bottle yet i don't think have they they have not no but yeah, it's I, um just in general, I th- like this episode really works um despite the fact there is like basically like no action in it. Um which I mean, Last of Us isn't all about the action or anything, but for some uh, you know, a video game adaptation, I think most people would expect there to be more. Um we haven't gotten a ton so far. I'm okay with it though. Because I think we'll get some in the coming episodes, and I'm sure it'll be very, very well done. I mean, I still really liked the clicker sequence in the previous episode. Um, but, 
yeah, I think I think the focus on this this kind of stuff I think is is really good. The characters, mm-hmm. and we didn't oh we didn't mention the bit where Ellie's like cutting the cl- the the infected, yeah, um, from the beginning part of the episode, which was interesting. Yeah, um, kind of kind of seeing like is it is uh, is there I I felt like she was testing how much humanity is left in this thing. yeah th- i feel like there's like a, a lot of ways you could interpret that like that like how much in humanity's there just pure curiosity you know i mean already established in the episode that ellie doesn't know a ton and was very inquisitive throughout the episode and i mean i think you could even interpret it like perhaps foreshadowing some violent tendencies in the future or something but yeah um that i just want to talk about the last shot was beautiful and i i was wondering with the showing through the window and and then driving away um i guess that maybe isn't is that the last shot or yeah it's the last shot i think through the window pretty sure i feel like there was they put the song i don't know it's close to the last shot i think they put the song on before they left the compound okay so um that was just first off just a beautiful shot and mm-hmm. just you know, knowing that they're in there and not showing them and just this really serene thing. But also, I very much feel like it is a an Easter egg to the opening screen of the game. Yeah, on the main menu. Yeah, yeah which I feel like completely <laughs> recontextualizes that, you know. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I looked, I found this interview with the, uh, with the director of the episode and... He said that the the DP, the director of photography, said he wanted to do the shot to kind of to mimic the title screen. Um, he's like, I I have no idea what that was because I haven't played the game. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that the director of photography wanted to do that to mimic that at the very least, if not represent that. But I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, to kind of just contextualize that because I've always been like, why is it just a window? Weird. Yeah, it is, it is weird, but, but it's very cool. Um, you mentioned and you mentioned the director. He, I looked him up, and he did some episodes of Daredevil. So I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this guy knows what's up. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, some people are just review bombing this, which is so stupid. Oh my yeah, gosh. I well, so immediately after watching it, I looked on IMDb, and it had like a nine point nine. I was like, oh wow, like people really like this. But now it's like the lowest rated. It's like eight point three or something. Yeah, when it's easily the best episode. (laughs) Like not even like it is a nine point nine. Like this, this is the. I mean, I would say it's the best episode of TV I've seen in a while. But I still, I would still probably give it to Plan and Execution from Better Call Saul. Yeah, I mean it's tough competition with that one. But but this is if there if this is not the best episode of the show, like wow. Um, yeah and i i mean yeah it's getting review bombing for so many reasons i think one of the the one of the weirder ones for me is when people are like oh well it has nothing to do with the story or whatever and i'm like i don't know man like i feel like some of the best episodes of tv are like episodes that don't have to do with the main plot well i mean it's like it oh it doesn't push the plot forward but i mean if you've played the game that half the game is finding out these stories along the way exactly yeah and so in terms of that it's an incredible adaptation of the game 
and 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 it's starting to like and this is where i'm like okay now the show is justifying its existence because it, i feel like i i feel like i'm gonna enjoy the the parts where they differentiate way more the, than the parts are gonna stay the same mm-hmm. um because the parts where they've stayed the same is honestly the parts that i've enjoyed the least mm-hmm. just because i think the game does it so well and it's built the story was built around the fact that it was a video game and not a tv show yeah whereas the stuff that they can do as a tv show um is starting to elevate the story as a whole so cool 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 uh this was a great episode um amazing uh just will be an iconic memorable episode i think for years Mm -hmm. to come oh yeah yeah i Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved loved it. Can't wait to see more. I'm really excited for this. And the preview for the next episode, it looked like more original stuff. Like, it didn't really look like it was taking from too much from one. I mean, it was adapting certain parts, but it didn't look like it was taking too much from one part of the game. So we'll see. Yeah. I I mean, there was one sequence that's like, OK, this is a sequence pulled directly from. The yeah, game, I know. I know what sequence you're talking yeah. about, <laughs> but it. But I, I don't know. I mean, the, on the road to because the next episode will take place in Pittsburgh. On the road to Pittsburgh there's not that much so mm-hmm. it looks like some of this next episode will do that i'm wondering if so when you play the game um pittsburgh is a place where the people overthrew the quarantine zone mm-hmm. and i want to say from the trailers it seemed like they were going to imply that they might show a little bit of that but i don't remember seeing it in this preview at all so i don't I don't know if they are going to do that or not. That could be the cold open. Could be the cold open of this episode. Yep. Uh, anywho, hold then we should probably move on. Yeah. And I, I will agree. just say that uh, this was the best episode of the show so far. And I really like it. Very comfortable in that. Yeah. Quit review bombing it. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Have something better to do with your life. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about Infinity Pool. All right, Infinity Pool. I'm still um, treading water, Holden. You are. You are. You did that quite for that the whole Last of Us conversation. Yep. <laughs> um, Infinity Pool, it's the a new film from Brandon Cronenberg. Um, it premiered at Sundance, but then was just like immediately released in theaters. So uh, we were able to see it this weekend. Um, stars Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth, Cleopatra Coleman, and other people. Um, it's a very interesting movie. <laughs> I mean, the trailer, we, we were kind of intrigued with it because the trailer was so weird. Um, and you had forgotten like what the trailer even was, right? Or yeah. Like until, the... until we got to the part of the movie where I was like, this is what the movie is. Kind of yeah. what happened to me with, uh, Barbarian. Okay. I don't think I had even seen a trailer for Barbarian going into that. So that was pretty fun. But, um, yeah, this movie is weird. <laughs> it's it's pretty messed up. Um definitely not for everyone. I saw um I saw that apparently it originally got an NC-17 rating and they had to cut it down. Well, that doesn't see. surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, this movie, um, for lack of a better comparison, I, I think it's like, in terms of just showing everything, it's like a, a horror Babylon, like just with the fact it's like balls <laughs> to the wall, like showing every like type of debauchery and like just de- like deplorable thing like that can happen. Um, but it's it's definitely horror, much more horror than Babylon is. Um, but I, th- I think I, I see, it's weird. I'm going into this and I don't even know what I'm going to rate it. Um, I think <laughs> through conversation, I'll have to decide that. Um, for but me, I liked it. You liked it's, it. I, I did. It's just weird <laughs> for me. This is a movie that I don't, I think it's good. I, some people, you know, it could be amazing. I just didn't really like it. Like, and I, I don't really want to sit and think about it. Like, it could be amazing if I just sat down and tried to obsess over it and watch it three times and just peel all the layers and have a big discussion with a group, you know, with kids and, like, doing a film criticism class class or something. <laughs> but I'm just like, I just didn't like watching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't want to watch it again. I it's- think this... I think the general public would not enjoy this movie. I, I find it very hard to to recommend this movie to anyone yeah i mean i think like looking at rotten tomatoes i think like the critics score is like in the 80s and then the the audience score is like 40 50 some 52 so. i'm looking at yeah 52 okay yeah that, so that's not a surprise it's and i mean that's the people who watched the trailer and decided to go you know yeah yeah true it's it's pretty I don't want to say it's inaccessible. I actually don't think the movie is that hard to follow, even though it's there's like a lot of a lot of like really weird sequences in it. Um, I think the trailer makes it look more like artsy than it is. It is somewhat, but I don't really remember the trailer all that much other than like what that's going on. This is a very artsy movie, especially the second half. Yeah, I don't I like I was trying to, I was thinking about saying that, but at the same time, I'm like, not much in this movie is like hard to follow or that conceptually out there overall, aside from like the hallucination sequences. Um, which yeah, the even the second then it's half just, of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's just like it's just people on drugs, so it's not like I, I I don't know. It's it is artsy, but I also it's it's not like a movie that is just random you know random shots of colors like the end of babylon for like no reason yeah. or whatever like it whenever it gets weird and conceptual like that it's always when like someone is on some sort of drug or something That's true. The rest, um the rest of it is pretty straightforward if still utterly bizarre <laughs> like yeah but it's still left open for interpretation as to what exactly is happening yeah. Do we, do we want to talk uh, about the premise of the the movie? I guess. Like yeah, we probably we should. should. <laughs> I did yeah, just kind so, of jump into it. Okay. So okay, I'll just read the the synopsis here. Guided by a seductive and mysterious woman, a couple on vacation venture outside the resort grounds and find themselves in a culture filled with violence, hedonism, and untold horror. A tragic accident soon soon leaves them facing a zero tolerance zero tolerance policy for crime. Either you'll be executed, or if you're rich enough to afford it, you can watch yourself die instead. Um, yeah, 
so you get like a double like a clone they call it double in the movie and your clone gets executed and you watch it happen mm-hmm. yeah um, it's a really cool concept it like is it, on paper especially it's like oh this is this is a really cool idea for a movie or whatever it's it's interesting though because like the clone angle without spoiling too much it's like not really the focus like it, it is like for a part of the movie but then it like kind of shifts away from it and it does come back a couple times but like the movie surprisingly with like the movie with a weird cloning project in it is not really about the cloning yeah it's it is but it isn't it's not in the way you maybe would think it is yeah it's more like in a character analysis sort of way than like a thriller (laughs) sort of way but then at times it is like a thriller thing Mm -hmm. uh which honestly i enjoyed those parts more yeah, when it's when it's just like a straight up thriller movie and like people are just being crazy and everything. I really like that those parts. Um, there's a specific like scene yeah. scene in this. I, that's, I agree. I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and I would say that the movie peaked then, and nothing else I found all that interesting after that. Yeah, I there were a couple a couple parts towards the end I liked, um, but yeah, that it definitely did peak there. Um, Acting wise, Alexander Skarsgård very good. Um, I, I mean, I think he's very good at getting. He and Mia Goth are pretty good at just getting unhinged. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> Mia Goth is doing is is doing what I now think is the Mia Goth thing, um, which is a very good thing. I hope she's not just typecast, but if she keeps doing more stuff like this, she is very good at it. Yes. Um, by that I mean just it's it's similar to like Pearl especially but um yeah they're both great I mean everyone in this is, is does a very good job I think uh cinematography wise it's very interesting um, it's got those upside down drone dutch angle rotating shots that make me want to just go oh my gosh my brain hurts but I kind of <laughs> like them at the same time yeah I um especially well at the beginning they they had a lot of those yeah, I was like oh interesting okay. I'm like oh my brain <laughs> it's like going up in a roller coaster you know does down. not compute does <laughs> my brain is like <laughs> smoking yeah <laughs> it, but it, it's overall just a very well shot film um I think even the hallucination sequences while they are crazy and a, a lot to take in I think they're you know relatively well done they weren't quite as as bad as I was maybe expecting. I was expecting that kind of stuff and it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Um, but, um, yeah, all of that stuff's very good. Um, trying to think what else to talk about non spoilers. I mean, Um, I, I'm going to just start talking about who I think this film is for. Yeah. Um, if you are someone who can appreciate a very beautiful title card, I think this one's mm-hmm. got a Oh nice yeah, title card that's right. I love the title card for this. <laughs> um I will say that if that's all you're into in the next list though, probably don't see it. Uh are you in a mood for are you a person who enjoys very sci-fi thing? I mean, it's not like super sci-fi, but just like a little bit like mm-hmm. it kind of <sighs> This is not a great comparison, but a little bit of like uh, Annihilation 
with just like weird sci-fi, but it's not super. I, I don't. It's not a good comparison. Yeah. I personally like this more than Annihilation. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't both are very like, weird. They, I, I I can see the comparison to an extent. I mean, just in terms of, I mean, I guess that is more sci-fi. This is more horror, but there's, I there's pla- definitely both in each. Yeah, I, but this is not really a horror. It's not like a jump scary movie. It's more just like an unpleasant movie. Do you like movies that are just very unpleasant? <laughs> Do you like movies with several psychedelic orgies? <laughs> because you're gonna get them Mm -hmm. do you like movies where people wear grotesque masks that are uncannily humanoid but just deformed and disturbing it's it includes uh elements of both humans and animals jimmy because humans are animals Mm -hmm. do you like (laughs) a bunch of wealthy people just being horrible mm-hmm. just completely unlikable do you like a bunch of amorphous side characters that don't really have any personality other than just being scumbags because there are a plethora of, of them yeah in this movie. I, and i didn't even personally i didn't mind that i think it was more of just like it was just like a, they, a, I, a mob you know yeah no like they are an amor- they are like an amorphous blob of characters that represent co- a concept <laughs> and i'm yeah. like i mean it works it's just kind of i don't really enjoy watching it sure like sure. i don't i'm not knocking it the movie i'm just saying this is what it is so if you don't if this is not you know floating your boat uh, i wouldn't see it and and i would say that most people should just not see this one Unless you are just like, I'm all on board for this weird <laughs> stuff. Um, look, we went over, the, we went to this movie over the movie Missing because I, I it was up to me. Mm-hmm. I, Holden gave me you. the, Holden gave me the, you know, the choice. And I was like, I think Missing is like, I'm going to like the movie Missing. I felt like I'll be entertained. It'll be enjoyable. Infinity Pool, I might not like it, but it could be really, really good. And yeah. I ended up not liking it. I, you know, it was worth the risk, I think. So I yeah. I would just say, you know, probably don't watch this one unless you're really into arty, artsy movies with, and you don't mind a bunch of psychedelic orgies. I would not go with your parents. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely don't watch this one with your parents. I, I, re- I told my mom about it because I... Uh, she was the one who recommended the trailer the first time. She was like, oh, this movie looks weird. And then I, I didn't say it to her, but you're probably listening now, Mom. I will not watch this with you. Yeah. Darla. You're on, you're on your own for this one. Darla, you know, you must be. If you're into that stuff, you and Scott, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah, I I think it's a good movie. It's not one I'll probably ever watch again. It's very very weird. I think it not all of its themes are fully fleshed out even though that's like all it's really going for. Um and I think it's a little too long too. Um but one too many uh, psychedelic orgies. Yeah, one too many one, one too many psychedelic orgies. Um I think I'll give it a seven out of ten. Okay. I think it's a, yeah, good movie. It's probably my favorite of the year so far out of the two movies I've seen. I think I like M three getting more. 
of okay. the. I mean, I saw Puss in Boots: The Last Wish this year, but but that came out last yeah. year, so I ain't counting that. I Otherwise, gonna, that would also be my favorite. <laughs> I would. I'm gonna go with them three again. Okay, fair enough. But now uh, we will go on and talk about Infinity Pool spoilers. All right, spoilers for Infinity Pool. Um, so I have made this. I made this comparison and or I made this point in Babylon too, and I think it 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 is valid here i don't think it's as critical and i don't think it's as annoying about it as like malcolm and marie but i think there is a lot of self-insert here with the director (laughs) um because especially with the there's the point towards the end when mia goth is reading the review about the guy's book about james's book oh Um, yeah and there's the com. What really threw me I, at first, I'm like, okay, this. I'm I'm thinking every time it, like a review is brought up now, Malcolm and Marie has me hardwired to think, is this the director talking? And then um, he mentioned something about it's like the the review says, oh, this guy only got this job because of nepotism, because of his father-in-law being a publisher. I'm like, okay, oh. that's David Cron, or that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's him yeah. talking about his dad. <laughs> like, yep. Um, David Cronenberg um but I think I think the movie is not like it's not it's not really like complaining about the public or anything it doesn't really spend much time on that if anything it's like critical of himself like it's like maybe he doesn't I think there's a certain element and this is me after thinking about it for a while I know you didn't want to think about it too much but this is I'm like (laughs) I think there's a certain amount of him like not feeling like he totally belongs in like maybe the world he's in or whatever. And maybe he's, you know, you know, he doesn't probably go out and kill people, but maybe he's gotten carried away doing certain things or whatever. But then, you know, stop and take a look at yourself literally when he stops, when he stops beating the clone of himself. (laughs) And then he realizes kind of like what he's become and stuff. And then he kind of is like maybe self deprecating about these kind of things. Um, and I think what also pushes it for more with that, with the review and everything is Brendan Cronenberg's first film. I thought his first film came out a couple years ago, Possessor. I don't know if you remember that. Is that his first directorial debut? No, I thought it was because I remember that movie getting good reviews or whatever. I never watched it, but he had a movie come out in like 2012 that apparently just got like shredded. Apparently it was like not very good. Antiviral. Antiviral, yeah. 65% Rotten Tomatoes, so not horrible. I thought it... I thought it was worse. I don't know. It's free on Tubi TV. Oh, well, there you go. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there is self insert here. I don't think it's very annoying about it. Um, but I think it's, it's just kind of an interesting angle for the movie. Um, anyway, enough with me thinking too deeply about this. A good analysis, Holden. (laughs) Um, now, on the flip side of things, uh, Jimmy, you did make me laugh in the theater when you compared the psychedelic orgy to the sex scene from Velocipaster. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I could think about as they were happening. Just the, the colors and the pans and the dissolves. <laughs> Which is it's a lot more entertaining in Velocipaster because it's like... It's like jokingly overproduced in that. It's just like there's so... like. 
it looks way better than the rest of the movie like it's it looks way it looks like a music video <laughs> at that point and it's just very entertaining there but here it's it's a nightmare <laughs> yeah there's just so much happening in the in the orgy scene and it goes on really long i think like, like the main one people too yeah it's <laughs> like i don't want to i don't want to watch these old people sorry yeah um i mean i think the the visuals are very intriguing and pretty and everything but yeah, yeah holding that just... that shot where he's ejaculating onto the rocks is... oh yeah perfect that was disgusting that was <laughs> but kind of funny green knight did that too yeah um yeah no i, I mean it, like almost it, there's just there's just so many gross and like just screwed up things in this uh, we can talk about like the scene that i liked which i think is your favorite too which is them invading the guy's house right no oh what was your favorite my scene? favorite scene is when they were all when they were all got their throats slit oh that yeah you know what that might be my favorite i forgot about it <laughs> i really like that one too <laughs> them invading the guy's house is okay but i'm just like i hate all these people <laughs> <laughs> I so I like I just it's hard for me to watch just something where I just hate everyone. Mm-hmm. I don't even like the main character really at all. Yeah, he's yeah. I'm like he, there's nothing. I'm like I don't know why his wife is with them. She is a way too good for him. <laughs> like this guy's nobody, and he's not Spe- even nice to her. Yeah, speaking of his wife though, um, first of all, she leaves halfway through the movie. Yeah, I was gonna which... say does not appear in the second <laughs> half of the movie. Um, but I think it's interesting. So like, I mean, obviously this movie is like, like criticizing rich people, but I also don't think it's like a blanket criticism because like, she's like very rich too. And she's like very clearly the most morally good person in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like she's like not partaking in it. Um, so it's not blanket. I guess one in every 10 rich people are good. Yeah. I'm like men when she's, when she's like all men are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um what was I going to say? What are we to Oh, the yeah, the the scene where So I think they did really brilliantly was um the yeah, it, it, when they introduced the double. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well I was like, first off, if he's just the clone at the end of the movie, that's going to be the most predictable thing of all time. Right? Yeah. But they kept just doing the double thing like a lot i didn't expect that to just happen i thought that was an interesting twist well but um they had played it out long enough where i quit kind of thinking about it or i didn't mm-hmm. you know where where i was so like the scene plays out right they they do, do commit this crime and they're all waiting in the jail cell or the holding area where mm-hmm. um Alexander Skarsgård is first being held when he first learns about doubling and you have the deputy or the investigator whatever you know come in and the detective and he's like you know what we've had enough with you guys and we're gonna make a statement they're all like what like laughing and all that Mm -hmm. I was like oh like because that you know it's about the time where things like there's a shift in the movie usually yeah so I was waiting for the shift to happen. I'm like, oh, crap. This is it. Like, they're all screwed. And they're taken well, yeah. and they're freaking out. And, like, 
Alexander Skarsgård is like fighting back and I'm like, oh, things are getting real. And then they all get their throats slit. I mean, yeah. up even up until the very end, like Alexander Skarsgård breaks free. So you're like, OK, he's the main character. He gets out of it. Everyone else is dying or whatever. But yeah, then he gets killed still. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you actually convinced me there for a second that that was the real the originals. And I think doubles. I think another interesting aspect of that is like they have a conversation with like like Alexander Skarsgård has a conversation like when he first meets the rich people where they're like like have you ever thought you might be the clone or whatever mm-hmm. but then their conclusion is basically it doesn't matter so that's basically telling the audience it doesn't matter like that's not a crucial point and it's never resolved nor is it ever really brought like brought up as a mystery or anything or never really led too much to think that he might be the clone like it's just something you can think but it's not like they focus on it it doesn't mean that you have to continue committing these crimes and it doesn't mean you won't stop too like mm-hmm. you're still controlling in control of your actions and all that yeah exactly so yeah i liked that um and then i thought the rest of the movie was dull <laughs> honestly <laughs> After that, I don't think it ever reached that level of intrigue for me. Um, I personally, I did like when like the 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 rich people kind of came after him. Um, I thought that was relative. Maybe it was just basically whatever Mia Goth was on screen because I just like she's so entertaining and such a presence. So, you know, when she's more of her in the movie, it's just fun. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really like sold on him, like beating himself to death, like whatever. Who cares? Um, I did have the little grapes of wrath moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What the F is happening? (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't understand. That's like the one thing where I'm like, okay, this can't really be explained by drugs. It's just like weird. I don't understand. Yeah. But and not in the weird barbarian good way, yeah. Which also has some some weird uh, suckling, some, yeah, suckling. <laughs> um, what movie with the best suckling? Definitely barbarian. I would say. definitely barbarian. Yeah. Um, and then the end. I I'm not I'm not sold on the end. I don't know it. They all just go home. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah i mean okay i I don't know on on its own i don't necessarily mind that but i also am not sold on him like staying yeah that's dumb that was weird and then he's just staying when the place is closed during monsoon season or whatever like okay whatever just getting drenched (laughs) yeah (laughs) like dude you're sitting out there in a hurricane (laughs) (laughs) at least a monsoon yeah, like that place is flooding. You're gonna get impaled by an umbrella. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, it. I don't know. It's. It was what the ending was. Whatever. Like you said, it did. It did peak where you had mentioned. Um, it's not all for me. I mean, it, like, it's an interesting enough movie that I'd be interested to see like what he makes next. You know, like it's a very intriguing concept and everything and direction was good so we'll see brandon cronenberg keep the this cronenberg guy you know keep him in the back of your mind yeah mia goth never read the book yep 
Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. I didn't really expect that, but it was fun. Yep. I think that's all I got to say, Holden. I think so, too. All right. Yeah. Enough of it, then. Enough of it. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No. What are you doing? What are you doing? No. What are you doing? What are you doing? All right, Jimmy. Well, this week, I mentioned it to you the other night, but I got really bored. So I ended up buying some screenings for a couple Sundance movies, um, which I forgot you could do up until the last moment. Otherwise, I would have suggested we could have done one for the podcast. I just think that would be cool to like watch a you know movie early on, review it on the podcast. But um anyway the two that i watched one was uh it's called squaring the circle the story of hypnosis and that's h-i-p-g-n-o-s-i-s not hypnosis hypnosis very hard to pronounce but um this is a, it's basically a documentary about the guys who created album art for like pink floyd and led zeppelin and a lot of uh, uh english rock groups around that time it's really interesting. Um, I mean, if you like the music from that era, I think it's worth it in and of itself, especially since the soundtrack is just peppered with songs from that era. But I mean, the art is very cool. It's cool to hear a lot of the weird stories that went into it. I mean, you get a lot of the actual artists themselves being interviewed about how like they kind of helped come up with some of the ideas and how much they loved the ideas. And then you have one of the, I think there's only one surviving member of that, the art group that kind of worked with that. And he's kind of the narrator throughout, kind of giving his own testimony on stuff. And it's, it's very cool. I really liked it. I think my biggest gripe would be the ending didn't really flesh out the downfall that much of the company. I felt like they kind of skipped over it, but for a movie that's called The Story of Hypnosis, it's bizarre they didn't go into that as much but the story kind of mirrors pink floyd in a well in a a way and pink floyd in a well help us we're stuck (laughs) in this well (laughs) this well on the dark side of the moon oh where no one can hear you scream Um, yeah, and then the other one I watched is Theater Camp, which this is kind of one of the big ones that came out of Sundance. Um, I think it won an audience favorite award, and I think Fox Searchlight picked it up, so it'll probably get a Hulu release or the- theatrical release later this year. Um, but it's basically a mockumentary about uh, this like summer camp. It's a theater summer camp, and it's kind of going under when the when the directors falls into a coma so the people have to figure out how to run it for this summer and it's very funny has some heart to it um it's i mean if you're a theater kid obviously very relatable the kids in it are probably the funniest part there's i don't they're just so bizarre and everything um but the the adults are also um very funny it's a very good movie it's kind of filmed in a similar way to like the office or parks and rec or whatever but I think it works really well for it. So I, yeah, I think recommend it. Maybe we'll talk about it later this year if, if we have nothing else, but nice. Um, other movies, I guess TV, I finished white Lotus season two, which Jesus Christ, 
the the finale for that is insane i i think like white lotus season two is a bit more of a slow start but i think overall i ended up liking season two more wow it it just that that got crazy (laughs) and it got to the point where second to last episode i'm like i wasn't expecting it to get this like like scary like not necessarily scary but i was like nervous for like characters and stuff i'm like oh geez there's a lot going on here um but yeah um other things i watched oh i um watched a documentary called feels good man have you heard of this no uh it's a documentary about pepe the frog the meme Uh uh-huh familiar with pepe you know, oh, yeah. you know Pepe. Yeah, I know Pepe. He got his creator wants to destroy him or whatever. Yeah, well, it, it, well it, it gets into that. So it gives kind of the history of it and it talks. The creator is a very eccentric person. I, I He's a very fun kind of through line character for the movie. But just it's kind of a tragic story. There's some good happy bits towards the end but it's just yeah it's just kind of sad to see this man's creation be like just totally turned in a completely different direction than he intended used in a lot of various hate speech and stuff and yeah it's funny i mean it's it's funny it's sad it's it's weird that like a meme documentary works this well I don't know if you could do it with any other meme because this one just has such a storied past, but it, it really works. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, other than that, I didn't really watch much. I watched Jackass Forever again. Still like it. Just watched it because I got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to watch while drunk. Yeah, um, what are they doing with those bees? Whoa look at them look at the older they're in the dark it's scary in the dark oh <laughs> that is such a good scene it is really good sent silence of the lambs <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah um i guess then i've just been playing horizon forbidden west getting farther in that and liking liking that still I uh some of the new machines in it are really cool. There's one that I just fought and I think I mean the way Horizon works is usually they'll introduce a new big machine as like a boss battle kind of thing and then you can just find him in the wild. It's that way in the first game too, but there's one machine they just introduced in a boss battle that I'm like this is freaking cool. <laughs> I'm like wow, wasn't expecting this kind of machine, but um yeah, enjoying that. But anyway, that's it for me, Jimmy. What about you? What have you been doing? Holden, are you going to watch Succession or not? <laughs> I am, yes. At this point. <laughs> yes. Because the trailer came on before The Last of Us, and I'm like, Holden, what, is he even going to finish this show? What's I skipped deal? over it. Don't worry. I didn't watch the trailer. Well, what's his deal, Holden? Um, <laughs> well, I've been watching The Mandalorian. Uh, Almost done with season one, and boy, I just... The episodes that I didn't like as much, they just don't... I am enjoying them more. I'm enjoying them more. So I'm enjoying Mandalorian a lot, actually. A lot more consistent than you remembered? Yeah, not as much as the peaks and valleys. Maybe it's just being able to just watch it kind of more in the binge mode than the... Sure. And they're not super long than the week-to-week release. Um, maybe that show just plays out better that way. Although I do like the week-to-week release, but the more Adventure of the Week ones kind of bother me more in the week to week i guess i don't know okay um so yeah enjoying that 
Emily and I watched, I think we've watched uh, the second to last episode of Game of Thrones, which is the one, my least, or the most disappointing episode for me, and she agreed that, like, what, that doesn't make any sense. And so, yep, so we still have yet to watch the series finale. Um, So I don't really remember all that much about how a lot of things end, to be honest. But that'll be interesting. Be bittersweet to end Game of Thrones again. Just have to rewatch it and replay The Last of Us again, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, Olden, I am working on that Platinum Trophy for The Last of Us Part 1 since it is so much more doable than the original game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I hope I get that probably in the next couple weeks. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but the I'm actually using those game cards built in the PlayStation UI. Uh, actually very oh, helpful yeah, yeah. for this yeah, you did very helpful that. for getting the platinum for this because it's like it'll tell you everything you need to do to like when i'm replaying certain chapters in like chronological order for anything that i missed during the game okay so that's very you don't nice. need to pull up a pull up a game fact fa- game facts walkthrough i was gonna i would usually do like an ign one i think i do those too i game facts i think is a little outdated a little, a little outdated, not a little before these gen <laughs> alphas. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Game facts, game facts. It's like a walkthrough. F- is it like FAQ? It like the, yeah, it was a. Uh, I think it's owned by GameSpot, but it was like the big walkthrough website for quite a while. I that's what I started using when I was younger. Um, I just remember the books, man. Oh like yeah, those. My two. brother played Oblivion. And he bought it. He's like, what do you mean? I don't I don't need a book to play this. And like one week later, he was back at Best Buy buying the book. <laughs> you, I, you'd have to buy a book for that back in the day. Pretty much all the games I bought walkthroughs for were like games that I didn't actually need walkthroughs for. Like I, I got like I got a Pokemon Platinum one. And it's just this massive like volume that goes into like all the Pokemon and and like every single battle and everything. It's insane. It was like <laughs> I still have it, I think, in Lincoln. Um, but it's just I loved that book. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that. I think that's all for me. I'll be watching Mulan. <laughs> Ooh, long uh, time of the year. Yeah, five, six, six more times in the next week. So, uh, and uh, as tr- as is tradition, I always forget to mention the movie I've watched six times in a week <laughs> <laughs> on the next episode. But yep, that's what I'll be doing soon. I think that's it, Holden. Are we knocking at the cabin next week? We are knocking at the cabin. We have the new M Night Shyamalan film, Knock at the Cabin, next week, uh, alongside the fourth episode of The Last of Us. So keep your eyes open. For those, very excited. Um, Could we'll we see. have a Best Picture nominee in there as well? Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant with Knock at the Cabin. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm i going to just uh, go with the no side of that. I'm going to bet the under on Knock at the Cabin Oscar yeah. nominations. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Uh, if you want to leave us a request, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or by emailing us at tompodcast at gmail.com or by donating to our Patreon. I believe that's it, Jimmy. All right, sweet Holden. Adios, pantalones. Love you. That one movie podcast. Yeah.